Hello and welcome once again to the M4 Project. As always, I'm Matthew Jelenic. I'm Michael Sullivan. And I'm Morgan Davidson. What do you got this week, buddy? I'm just wondering, why in the car scrapping industry is it a prerequisite? Prerequisite. 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 <laughs> to look like you've been used as a loofer on Bigfoot's asshole. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> well, you know, I'm, they're scummy. The views of Morgan do not reflect the views of the Emperor Project. Please do not come to our homes, kill us, and bury us in your scrapyards. I work next to a property that oh, the yeah. local scrapyard used right. to store cars and probably bodies uh-huh. for the look of it. Um, and they're there a fair bit. They are the scummiest looking things that have ever graced the planet. There's good coin to be made, I know, in scrapping on a large scale, as you know, they can earn the earth basically for items they've got on vehicles they've paid next to nothing for. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But they start the day looking like they've been used to clean any given public high school's male toilets. <laughs> they do. They do. These guys look like they've been working for eight weeks straight. In the dark. Yeah. I thought you just meant they all look really hairy. Oh, they well, that do. Too. That oh. too. Like, they just... But they just look scummy. Thank you for calling the M4 Project. We're uh, not here right now. Please leave a message after the tone. Yeah, hi. Uh, just wanted to say that your recent anti-scrapper... Uh, conversation was quite concerning, but uh, I wouldn't go that far again. Just a bit of warning. I mean, at least you didn't insult our intelligence, right? So, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. I get that the employees of the business might not be the cream of the intellectual crop, as their requirements are, you know, break shit here, rip shit there, remove, sell, repeat. But the owners generally look worse, and they're the ones that have got a bit, a bit of coin to actually flash about. There's one guy who works for the place next door he's a big bearded fellow who looks like he washes with grease and his breath would smell of straight ass <laughs> he does he gives me chills he sort of stares in your direction his neanderthalic snarl and he looks like he'd fuck you and then kill you but not guaranteed to be in that order <laughs> <laughs> they are just scummy people yeah look at making a murderer that guy that the guy who's who, who's from that he's what was he, his family background was scrapping cars I think you're onto something. Well, it's also a great place because we used to joke about when I was working there. There's bodies. There's There's bodies bodies and trunks. You would never find them. There's cars that are not meant to be there. There. So nobody knows why they all look like this. No, I don't either. Somebody get in contact with 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 why. Maybe maybe it's a. It's got to be a scrapper starting kit, right? Maybe maybe it's like yeah, the traditional wares of a scrapper. It's not a choice. You you turn a rock up down the road, neat and tidy. They get their scrap paint on. Yeah. Or, or they get hired and they're in full business attire. It's like, well, I'm sorry, we have in our industry a uniform. It's like, sorry, <laughs> It's called Layer of Scum. Yeah. It's, just, it's just a hose from the nearest car wash directly to like a shower they have yeah. to take just before they walk on site. That's the one. <laughs> All the car shit gets sprayed directly on. Literal like, car shit. <laughs> shit from cars. Speaking of getting covered in literal car shit, I recently saw an image of the main character from Pixar's Cars franchise, Lightning McQueen, taking a shit on Sonic the Hedgehog's chest. I don't know why I'm telling you this, and I assure you I didn't go looking for it, but when one wriggles around in the filth of the internet looking for something to do in their boredom, you'll find things that you wish you hadn't. Gotta go fast! Righto, back to the anyway, podcast. back to the podcast. What we got? This week's film was Malice in Wonderland, a film from 1990... Or 2009, sorry. 2009. Close. You go down a road, and I'm like, no. I'm like, that's not even close. No, it's not. It was your pick. <laughs> it was. It's a, like, as you said, Malice in Wonderland, 2009. Uh, it's a Briti- British fantasy adventure film, I would probably think. Uh, it's roughly based on Lewis Carroll's Alice in Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. It's a modern take on, you know, this very famous fairy tale. It's about a university student called Alice. Surprise, surprise. 
As the movie begins, uh, we see her. She's running away from two men. She happens to run in the middle of the street and gets hit by a black cab. Um, the cab is driven by none other than Whitey, who can be perceived as the White Rabbit. Um, he's late for an appointment. He's been trying to pick up a gift for Harry Hunt, the local uh, mob king. He bundles Alice into a cab. He drives off. The scene looks like a bit like a kidnapping to some bystanders, and they call the police. She later on then wakes up in the cab. She has amnesia. She's lost in this world. She's a long way from home. She finds herself far from London and, surprisingly, in Wonderland. She's dragged by Whitey through a surreal, frightening underworld filled with bizarre individuals and lowlifes most of which are an adaptation of characters in the novel and it's with a bit, with a bit of a dark twist um, to their personalities. So she's confused, she tries to find out who she is, where she's from and use what which she has to try and find a way back home. This is a edgier and much darker adaptation of Lewis Carroll's novel and the movie presents Wonderland as a whole new sort of idea. Mm. I, I would say it compared to a lot of the other uh, interpretations, definitely darker and creepy and that kind of thing. Uh, Initially, it sort of sits there and it's not directly trying to be fantasy. It's just like, hey, if these sorts of people were real, and then it starts to go a little strange and weirder the longer the film goes on. And it's nothing new to make Alice in Wonderland dark either. I've no. actually seen a couple of dark versions, but this is modern it's dark. a dark book, mm. really. It is a dark book. and But this is more like modern dark, yeah. I suppose, because there's guns and there's all these other things. Yeah, here, yeah. And then you, know, you put it in a British gangsterish sort of world. Mm. Um, as far as back of the box, that is basically your back of the box. The fun picks up from where that sort of leaves off. Yep. It definitely um, does follow the Alice in Wonderland formula of scenes between different characters and her just traveling between yeah, scenes yeah. of these characters, which they've adapted to this yeah. particular uh, situation, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's, less a, a f- well, it's less a story, and in this case, less of a film about plot, more about character interaction. It is. And yeah. when you actually look at Alice in Wonderland, it, it, that is what it is yeah. as well. You know, that's what basically the book does. You know, mm-hmm. There's not much in between characters. Yeah, so uh, that's your basic back of the box. Moving into characters actors. Start characters. with Maggie Grace. Maggie Grace. Grace. Alice. First thing I'll say is just, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow. She's what a great actress. Oh no, no, no. yeah, she's a great actress. <laughs> yeah. but she's beautiful. And I'm yeah. not, I'm not yeah. saying like this in a, you know, oh wow, she's sexy in this movie. Like I was just like, wow, you are, you're beautiful. Mm. Yeah, and she can act as well. Yeah. I, I, I know I always say that on uh, how great <laughs> someone looks, and yeah, no, they can no, act. Nummy, like, nummy, she, nummy what, she nummy can. What. This girl can act. But I was like, I hadn't really seen her in much, and then I saw her. I was like, wow, you are amazingly attractive. Honestly, I can't. I couldn't really. Think she's of what been, else she's, she's been lost. In. And oh. she's been in a few other things as well. Taken, that's right. She's the daughter in Taken, the one who keeps oh. on getting fucking abducted. Right. You you think that's where I recognise her. You think she learned? Lock the door. Yeah. First they came for his daughter. Papa. Then they came for him. Me. No one remembers what happens in the third one. Something to do with his dog, I think. Oh wait, no, that was John Wick. But this time it's different. Taken four. <laughs> Taking the daughter again. Actually, we are having trouble opening door. Appears to be locked. Taken for a night in with a movie. But yeah, she, uh, as a performer in this, she did very, very well. Her knocked around, I've been hit by a car, or I'm running panicked, or I'm in a strange world, I don't understand what's going on. She managed to pull that all off convincingly. She had a pretty decent Tom Cruise run as well, right at the Yeah, she did. Right at the start. At, at, well, at both. Was both at the start, start and the end. Yeah. Both at the start and the end. Yeah, just, I don't know. Just a convincing run. Mm. Yeah. I think she does a, um, a good job with this darker version of Alice as well, for whatever reason. She seems to work 
work fairly well. Mm-hmm. She definitely looked the part. Uh, whilst being the main character, she is really on the on there for the ride, though. You know, yeah. all the strangeness created by the other characters in the film. But in a sense, as I just said before, the same can be said about the original source material because mm-hmm. Alice is nothing more than okay. Yes, she is a character, but she's nothing more to play off the other weird characters that she meets in Wonderland, and that's what makes the book true. And, and the, you can sit there and say that the characters are sort of manifestations of all these other little things that she has to deal with. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, it is all about the characters that she meets and what they mean to her and yeah. how they affect her life. Well, I, I've always thought Alice is a bit bland in, in general. She's like just in the vehicle. Yeah, she mm, is. She's the vehicle to go between all these other she's characters. She's the Optimus Prime. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did like this movie gave her a bit of a backstory and it tied it up nicely towards the end. There was a couple of holes, but it was solid enough. Uh, yep. No? Uh, no, I, I mean, it, I saw it all coming from a mile away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, but no, we'll go into spoiler Terry, but not not to be, uh, it doesn't diminish from the film. Like, there's a few little points where it's like, well, I saw that coming, but it doesn't matter. There was a bit where it diminished a little bit for me, but we can get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Her acting, solid enough, like yeah. you said, dazed and confused. Yep, sweet, all good. Playing off dialogue. Did a great job. I've, I really liked her when she was in the car with the caterpillar, but we'll get onto that when we get onto him. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on from that, Danny Dyer playing Whitey. Our boy Danny Dyer. I do like myself some Danny Dyer. He's mm. probably my favourite character in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, he almost gets the most screen time. He probably of, does. Yeah, and yeah. the most you know, well written dialogue as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the most character development. True. Yeah, that's true. True. He plays again that English chav twat. Mm. That's it. With a bit of polish. Yeah. It's all, it's all pretty good. Um, as we've said before, in Football Factory, he's a bit of a king at delivering witty banter dialogue, and he does it again in this film. That said, uh, even though we, we've mentioned his ability for dialogue before, he's not necessarily one of those actors who plays the same character in every single film. Similar but different to his character in, in Football Factory, he manages to pull across this guy who's a bit been around the block a bit more, even though in Football Factory he's been in all these fights and this sort of thing. This guy is a member of... The underworld sort of firm and that yeah. kind of thing. He, he knows about people who've been killed and who have killed, and he's trying to get a present for a mob boss. So he doesn't get killed. So he doesn't get killed. You know, he, oh, I think he gives you a good truffle. You know, all of his lines usually are drenched in some sort of entendre. Um, they're both delivered subtly mm-hmm. and in your face. Um, I think I liked him really from the moment he steps out of the cab. Absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. just starts looking at the watches. Looks at one, I'm late. Looks at this one, I'm late again. (laughs) It's the same time, you twat. Yeah, it was really good. Pick of the lines, though, I love when he boarded the meal and he walks over and goes, The Imperial, stuffed with chicken, shish, Donna, some other dead thing, only 9,000 points on Weight Watchers. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's great. Epic. Really good. Any more to say on him? No. Uh, Well, I would say that he's, like all the other characters, immediately evident who he's trying to reference to with his references to time. But yeah, his little snarky comment, well, not even snarky comments, just comments that he layers into things. Like, he'll sit there, oh, fuck, I forgot when I thought I wrote it down, but I guess I didn't. Anyway, but he's got a bunch of lines that you sit there and go, oh, wait, that's a reference. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Nathaniel Parker is Harry Hunt, the mob king himself. He is the king of queens. Queen, yeah, Carol's queen of hearts. King of the underworld, portrayed as the queen of hearts through being a larger-than-life homosexual, therefore being a queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did we think of him? I, I thought he was fine. He, he gave off one of those sort of classic British actor things where I swear he's been in other things. Yeah, I had never seen him before. or don't, just, I didn't recognise him from anything, mm. personally. He wasn't in it all that much. Yeah. Was he wasn't fine. in there until the end, really. 
Uh, I don't really have anything to add to be perfectly frank. It, yeah. it was fun. It was adequate. Yeah. It was... I, I liked the character more than the yeah. actual acting. The character yeah. himself and all the references to him. I liked the way they tied him in that he just got out of um, jail and this big party they were having it was his coming, coming out, out party. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with the entendres again. Just, I, I really liked that kind of nod. That was really good. Moving on from him, Matt King as Gonzo. He got a little bit of time there. He's playing the Dodo from mm-hmm. Carol's novel. Um, low-level thief in this sort of film. I really liked his couple of little bits of dialogue that he had scattered through it. Yeah. Was he one? Of the, he's one of the first ones that introduces speaking in rhymes. Uh, yeah, to start off with, when yeah. he meets her at the, the merry-go-round, mm-hmm. there, he just—he's uh, a comedian, and he had some really like. Although he doesn't have too many lines, the comedian, the com- comedic timing the comedic and delivery timing, that's the one yeah. yeah um just it came through really well i like mm. the, the way he played off other characters um as as well and especially when he said to alice he was like step into my office and she's like i don't know if i should and he's like you don't know if you shouldn't then yeah like, that was that was, just, that was probably my, one of my favorite lines it kind of lost a bit when they did it later again in the movie and it was kind of like the writers were like yeah, 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 yeah you like that yeah, you'd yeah. liked it before didn't you yeah, yeah very true very true yeah. but I, I really i really liked his couple of little bits in it moving on moving who on. else we got uh, well, we've got all the other wonderful characters that she meets. She meets, obviously, the Caterpillar, the Duchess, uh, various iterations of the Dormouse. I've... Hattie. I yeah. really liked Hattie. Hattie. She was cool as the, as, as the Mad Hatter. Um, uh, in this instance, uh, the Mad Hatter is Hattie, uh, a lady who runs a traveling brothel that stops at <laughs> truck stops. Truck stops. Yeah. Yeah. And it's literally just a bunch of girls in the back of a, a bloody... Tractor trailer, semi trailer, semi trailer, and with a bed in it. She was scarier than Harry Hunt for me. She yeah. was she, like, well, considering know. she managed to, uh, Alice has been throughout the film takes these pills to get her head uh, by taking these pills for her head, and she takes them and immediately always passes out, but comes out comes through not remembering more than what she knew before. Oh, I know kung fu. And in this instance, she took it in the diner. And wakes up, and Hattie has changed her hair, added some red stuff, and crimped a lot of it, and also changed her outfit. Yeah, I was like, "Yeah, you're working for me now." I was like, "What the fuck?" She was scary though. Like, yeah. she's a crazy Irish madden that you've ripped off. No thanks. I bet you should be a wild run the sector. Um, <laughs> might as well just hit the other couple of other characters. The caterpillar yep. runs into him, and he's pimped out. Kind of yeah. car. I love smoking. That. What you would imagine he he's would smoking, be smoking the gonge instead of his hookah, but he had his prostitute in the back street seat, so he's hooker. Yeah, um, which I, I like that little nod that he had. Yep. That had the hooker there. Mm-hmm. Um, hookah, yep. whatever you want to pronounce it. Yep. I, I really liked that. I really liked the way it was just billowing out of the yeah. car and the rhymes that sort of happened in there where um, every time the prostitute would say something, Alice would then meet it with a rhyme and all yeah. those sort of things. That was really clever. It was a really nice bit of dialogue between some other random characters. No, mm. that added it. also had probably the cringiest part as well. Oh, it like, did have... The- oh, man. Yeah, uh, wait, the Rastafarian accent just on its own was cringy. I was going more for when he lowers the windows and the oh, smoke no. that comes out stops the cop stops car. the cop car that's chasing. It's ah, oh, they couldn't on. see where they were driving, man. I mean, <laughs> they're just... in Wonderland, man. Like <laughs> we're to pick on that. There's uh, so either, that other the, oh, yeah. either that or the cops, <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> or, the, or the cops stopped in the cloud, wrote, wound down the windows, went, oh no, <laughs> accidental hotboxing. <laughs> Damn it! Base, this is car number 213. We appear to have lost them in a thick fog. Over. Roger that, car 213. Just gonna wind down this window and investigate. Gonjo! 
Moving on. Um, Felix Chester played at the, playing the Cheshire Cat, obviously. Yeah. Um, that curl- he was so cool. Pearly white smile, laid back dude. You'd refer to him as a cool cat. Radio DJ that Alice bumps into throughout the movie. Sort of keeps a company in parts. Um, he talks directly through her through the radio, advertising boards. I thought that was a clever modern way of having the Cheshire Cat pop up Absolutely. in random situations because yeah. he just appears mm. in, in the in, in the. But in the he also in appears in. And this is one of the things I uh, might... I'll cover it now. But the way that he appears and that sort of thing, it's right at the moments where she's either taking the pill or she's been getting hotboxed in a car. Yes. As she steps out and the billboard starts talking to her, you're like, is it the real world? Is it the fact that she's high as fuck and all all happy and giggly? Who's to say? Same. Yeah. And the fact that he can control time by being a radio DJ. That's not giving anything away, but he can control time. He can stop, slow down, and play music because he's a DJ. True. (laughs) True that. Looks and tone. I think you're you're having a couple of issues with this movie, Mike. It's a fantasy. They can do what they want. Yeah, no. No, they can't. They can't! No, they can't. Uh, Okay, in terms of tone, I would sit there and classify this film as it's where you would position like uh, a Neil Gaiman novel. It's urban fantasy slash... Or urban fantasy or magical realism. There's like this hint of something more within this real world. And it's not necessarily something that's direct and talked about or even sitting there and mentioned. It's just like, there's an element of magic or something special happening here I, uh, and that, throughout the film and that's that's sort of a thing that it's, it's left as a question some of that stuff i don't really have an issue with like for example looks and tone is probably where i first had my first sort of problem with it is that it feels like a giant mishmash of a bunch of different tones they've kind of haphazardly stuck together like there's the the whimsical side of it and then they have the dark side of it and then randomly they'll have like pop music sections in it and then they'll have one part that was almost like a forced romance scene and they the have... forced romance scene got like got me i was like that was not that was just not required i was yeah i could i personally could handle everything else yeah. um because it was like i look at it in the sense of like i just said it's a fantasy so they can sort yeah. of do what they want but that extra step to go let's make it a little bit of a love interest is like you didn't need to it. Yeah. You, that, 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 that overly does, weakened it for no that reason. Does, that does annoy me in modern cinema where it's like, well, we need the love interest scene. It's like, it's not, just leave it out. Let it happen naturally. If it's not needed, it's not needed. I will say that the the way that it's oddly structured and that kind of thing, especially in tone, I thought that was reflective of the source material. Yeah, one but, but also, and I'll cover this in the spoilers, but it, I thought it was hearkening uh, towards something else, which is what I was sort of expecting and then eventually accepted that what was going to happen is what ended up happening in terms of the way that it was shot very very well done i think in terms of like color and structure they used light in order to isolate or make things show up like when she's sitting in the um sitting alone at the bus stop it's all blues and greens looks across there's this huge beacon of red the telephone booth and then she's in there and all that kind of thing uh the director clearly loves anamorphic lenses because there's a few. Uh, I think at the the Donna Kebab yep, box yep. thing scene, you notice how the the background lights are all these sort of out of focus, focus things. Are absolutely gorgeous and cinematic and all that kind of thing. That's uh, anamorphic lenses for you. Very well shot. I think it's it's very cinematic. It's not, it's not super duper Hollywood polished version of what they were going for. But it's See, like I don't a, think it's supposed to be in that sense because it is supposed to be set in a grimy underworld. So a bit yeah. gritty, a bit grimy sort of works what it's yeah. doing. And that's why, like, 
it does well for the backgrounds they sort of done, they do in the far as looks go, but it's not hard because it's all set at night. Again, yeah. like we said with, uh, what was the other movie we did? Was it Paranoia or was it something? No, no, no. Was <laughs> yeah, it something yeah, yeah. else? It was all set at night. It's not it, hard. It, it was Gantz yeah, when they were fighting. Yeah. yeah, It's not hard to make something look good because you haven't got anything else in the background. Yeah, yeah, but but the, the way, no, but the, the, the way, way they lit things, the way they lit things and the good. way that they shot them because you can have nothing in the background, have pretty lights in the background, but the way that they shot it and destroyed that background or crushed that background using an anamorphic lens so the things that were in focus were super fucking sharp and everything else was, was blown, blown out, out. Yeah. makes all the colours turn into all the little fairy lights in I think it's Blackpool turn into these beautiful little firework sort things of spheres in the background and yeah, blend yeah. in you're like well, what the fuck oh wait in the, in the next shot you're like oh that's actually a stall back there but from the other angle that you were it just looked at, amazing. It, yeah. it was just this blow up of, of colour and the way that they did that was I think a couple Very of other things that I liked looked wise. I loved Harry Hunt's um, club. It was really camp and, Circus and the queen of hearts. It reminded yeah. me of the Moulin Rouge. Really, is yeah. what, what yeah. it got me. Absolutely. Visually, I did really enjoy the, uh, uh, the the court scene or the trial. That trial. Was, yes, that was that was done where, really well. They had um, Harry Hunt up on a chair above it all with the spotlights and. It was very overblown and very colourful and yeah, similar. I, whilst I did love the the, the 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 whole thing with the ganja at the window as well, I did love the pimped out car. It yeah. was just like <laughs> like just the actual look of what they had went for. I was yeah. like, it's that it was, was the car was iridescent like a butterfly's wing. That's yes. what it, that's yeah, what they were going for. Cool, very cool. Yeah, it was actually. Um, the other couple of things I like the makeup they use on all of the female characters that gave them a little bit of pop, yeah. especially when she got the makeover. But like Hattie, for example, the makeup they used yeah. and the color of hair and all those things. Yeah, and her teeth are all messed up and discolored. And it was very much like she really resembled what uh, the Mad Hatter sort of looked like in her outfit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like that. Alice's outfits. I liked that they got darker throughout the movie. Yeah. She starts off in more of a white coat and then slowly loses the coat. She's that. got a black underdress mm-hmm. and all those sort of things. It's just a bit of a bit of a progression for her. I liked a few of the tones with um, where they said to Alice to follow the red lights, meaning to go to the red light district. There yep. was some just nice little bit of tones that were shoved in there, but it wasn't fully in your face. The closeted talk with mm-hmm. Harry, or like the, all that thing about him being gay, mm. the references that didn't just say, like they said he's a queen, but and all those sort of yeah. things, but they didn't until the very end get to exactly where it was. Like you knew where they were going, but yeah. it was just clever the way they kind of kind of did that. Mm. Yeah, I, I liked those sort of tones and the quick rebuttals from all of the characters had decent dialogue throughout, yeah. but they're all very quick witted in there. I'll say something and you'll rebut me very quickly mm. with something witty. I liked that. Yeah. I liked the tone of that. Uh, classic British sort of it was. making that. It was. And for what for what um the looks and tone goes, I think they did a decent job. Yeah. I'm guessing a fairly modest budget. I don't think it would have been huge. I don't know. I'll have to look it up. I'll um, it in, actually. It didn't really have any big, really any big set pieces. It just sort of yeah, wouldn't have been hugely expensive no. to make, no. I thought. Well, I mean, the the main set, I think, was just Blackpool. Yeah, mm. just the Brown City. Yeah. What do we think of it overall? Overall, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a good little film. I liked it. Again, it's not perfect. There was a, whole, there was a, there was a few it, holes in it. Um, it might be my favourite modern adaptation. Okay. I haven't seen too many. As you mean of Alice or just in Of general? Alice. Yeah. I haven't seen too many adaptations. I've seen one that was fairly modern and I definitely like this one more. Yeah. Mikey, Terror Shreds. Didn't really enjoy it all that much. Yeah, why? Uh, as I said, it started off with the mishmash of all the different themes they tried to... And it just kind of swapped between them very rapidly. That might be taken from the source material. I'll be fair, I haven't seen it for a very, very, very long time. Not since I was a child. So I or read of, the book. Or read the book at all. <laughs> reading 
Ew. <laughs> That's what nerds do. No. Um, so I kind of went into it without much Alice background, and it was really chopped together, and they had a lot of forced things in there and shit that didn't really make sense. Uh, you know me, I like to nitpick small shit. So, for example, when the guy gets the TV slammed on his head and it goes all the way down to his shoulders, his head's gone through a lot of TV components and he was electrocuted as well. But he's fine. He's cool. Uh, to he just... was electroshocked. Elect- Sorry, he didn't actually die from it. Although exactly. he should have. He should have died he, from the blood should have trauma. He should have died from the TV crushing his skull. Yeah. But on top of the electric shocks. But then he was able to climb onto the outside of a truck somehow. Without Mike, being seen. he was Spider Man, of course. So the DJ stops time. Shut up! And no, this sh- is your sh- issue. Sh- <laughs> yes, that is my issue because it is, as you say, it's a fantasy. So I can it's forgive some magical shit that's yeah. in there. I can, I can. That's fine. That's your point of view. Uh, but no, no, no. no. Uh, I, I think it is fairly reflective of uh, being the mishmash, like we've said, of what original Alice sort of is I guess I, in maybe that I sense. missed yeah. that but it like it in that sense if, really if they had have made have you seen the recent Alice in Wonderland with no, the, the Johnny Depp one which is terrible in that sense but it is also a bit of a mishmash in literally as we've said Alice goes as a vehicle going from here to here oh, to try to no, 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 no. so what I'm saying I'm not saying there's oh, a mishmash it? between character scenes I'm talking about there will be cha- complete changes of tone between the same segment where oh okay so it'd be one moment there'll be it'll be like a dark close-up shots of whatever faces and the next moment there'll just be like some happy poppy song being played and there will i'm trying to think i try to i should have written down exact examples but i was just kind of like this just doesn't really feel like it meshes together very well it was purely the just, way it was trying to present itself it okay. was so yeah i think i just like they're like Boohoo, boohoo, da 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 da. Yeah. But and then again, there's that love bit, and then there's an action. There's an action. The love bit, quite a again, quite as I said, scene. was shit. Obviously, yeah, yeah. But I, th- I think again, like the, a couple of those things where they're changing from that, that is to be in that mindset of in this one, she's drugged out as fuck, mm-hmm. and she's yeah. got all the other things. So it can. I also, I also have an issue with the how that initially started as well. <laughs> I can go into that in a moment as well, shall I? <laughs> Fine, uh, but no, I think I, th- I think that's reflective as as well of how they go between characters is how they they're not straight in the line of oh we're having a D and M scene which will just continue to be D and M. The switch up is to do with the world that they're in as well. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, so, um, so overall, overall, <laughs> I, it wasn't atrocious, but I didn't enjoy it for the most part. Cool. Yeah. Would we recommend it again? I, I would, would. I did. So. Yeah. I would. Nah. <laughs> no, it's just purely because I think there's so many Alice in Wonderland movies. Oh, there is. I would say there's probably. Is there one involving British gangsters? Probably. There is. This it's called one. Malice in Wonderland. <laughs> um, yeah, no. I mean, there's tons of other ones. You probably watch them and they're probably better. Right here. Moving on to spoilery do's. We'll also just go over that pill thing. So We're in spoilers now, so go for it. Yeah. So she gets hit by the taxi. Yep. And then she. It's knocked around and wakes up in the back of it. So think of it from her perspective. She's woken up in the back of this strange taxi. I've awoken in the back of this strange taxi. Mm-hmm. No idea where she is geographically. Where am I geographically? Mm-hmm. Doesn't know who this guy is. Who are you geographically? Doesn't know what's going on. What's happening geographically? Got any pills? And he goes, here, take this pill. And she's like, yeah, sure. Well, you could argue that, that because she was so discombobulated, she didn't have the capacity to sit there and think logically about it and went, yeah, fuck it. Nah. Addition- Sorry. Yeah. Uh, you don't just wake up at the back of a car. But that's logic. Like, no, obviously you can't remember you s- anything, but you don't immediately go, yeah, I'm going to take this. No, but that's taking, that's taking real world logic 
and you're trying to bring that into a fantasy film. And they yes. can do whatever that. No, but you shouldn't. Because that's what you do in the real world. No one in the real world, more than likely, yeah. except for a few people, would do what she did. It's because you're in a movie, you can do that, and you go, it's a movie. So, I'd still, I'd still argue... You must struggle with dragons. I because... St- <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't have, I don't have an I issue. I still argue that she'd be discombobulated enough that she would, she would consent to that. I'd be like, yeah, fuck because it, with the pill. I feel like it's, it's convenient writing. Yep. That's what it is. Okay. It can be convenient. It's, it's writing of but convenience. It was also just, w- she needs to take this pill, so she's just going to take this pill. I will say that, uh, and this is why I'm doing this in the spoiler section. I did sort of go uh, at first, and I thought that this was gonna the whole film was gonna wind up with her constantly taking the pills and her not remembering, her remembering these vague things, and certain people frightening her of being, as in the original Alice book, being references to things from within her life, and so that she can sort of deal with them and learn. I thought it was all going to be the, the horrible thing of she wakes up in the hospital mm-hmm. after having been hit by the taxi. Yeah, right. That was my initial thought. That would have weakened it a lot. I, I was expecting it for a long while. I went, you know what? I don't think they're going to do it. So I let that go and that didn't end up being the case. But I thought it did sort of push me that direction that's been, initially. Sorry, that's been done so many times now that it is cringy when <laughs> it ends up they just wake, they either wake up or... It was all a dream. It was like... The simulation. Well, at least with Stay, did it a little bit better where it was basically that, but it was so much more at the same time. Yeah. And, and it was, it different was, it was also directly sort of looking in the eye going, this world isn't right and doing all that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, in the so I'll, we'll just go straight into that, yeah, what actually happens in the end. Uh, so things are getting crazier and crazier and there's the ongoing question of where is she? Is this reality or is she actually in some wonderland sort of different world? Is magic real? Never says that magic's real until right near the end she's being taken into the court and basically harry hunt has decided that she has to die because hey i have this person who the fed who the cops are looking for i have to get rid of her why shouldn't we kill you and they're having the the classic court scene and i love the court scene it's like if it wasn't a defense defending me it means i can't talk it's yeah, like the defense attorney cannot talk i love that little just like yeah well, that, can't that, talk. That's, I can't talk. that's in the book as well <laughs> yeah uh, and um a few of the adaptations. Uh, so White Rabbit ends up getting sent off. Uh, so she has no defense. And then she calls as a witness the DJ, who was apparently there the entire time. He rocks up, spins around from behind. He's like, hey, baby, how's it? Well, that are a club. Oh, he was obviously DJing true, for the club. True, I know. He was there, but he didn't reference him like when they were walking <laughs> yeah, into the club. see him there at any point. I'm pretty, I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure there was a different DJ. He's a Cheshire cat. He can appear yeah, anywhere. True, that's but that's what, the whole that's point. I thought, I thought he just literally just appeared. Yeah, which is, so which is where it was like, okay, yep, clearly the whole hallucinating thing is either getting worse or this dude can actually fucking teleport. <laughs> and he sort of spins out from behind. He's like, hey, baby, what's up? And she's like, how, how, how am I going to get out of this? Like, well, if you remember, at the very start of the film, she took 15 seconds to stop running from whoever she was running from to give this homeless lady some money. It's like, you lost 15 seconds. You stopped, but time kept going on. I can give you those seconds back. And she's like, do it. And he does it. And time he stops time, starts counting, and she starts running, catches up to Whitey. They continue running. Time comes back on. Hunt shoots Whitey. He dies. She, he dies. She cries. She runs. And she ends up coming through the locked door that she was at next to the homeless person. And the homeless person's like, oh, I told you you get that time back. And then she sees the past version of herself stop to turn into that thing and then fade away. And she decides she has to run out, almost get hit by the taxi again, tell Whitey to 
basically kidnap her. You'll get $10 million. It'll work out. And then she ends up finding out the whole, remembering the whole thing of she was running because she'd found out that she was actually adopted by this wealthy family. And she goes back to find her mum. Mum turns out to be the homeless woman all along, which is what I saw coming from a mile of fucking way. Mm. Film ends happily ever after. So I really liked when they said, I can give you your 15 seconds back and then time froze and she ran away for 15 seconds. Like, that was cool. She got got robbed of 15 seconds back then, so she got 15 seconds now. That's clever and I like that. And then they did the go back in time thing to save yeah. the love interest. And I was like, that ruined all of it. <laughs> it was good until, like, it, it was great that you just gave her just the 15 seconds. No more, no less. She got exactly See, what, what was What would have been better was, even if she had a run to the cab, if she just had have hopped in the cab. Yeah. Or what I'd, what would have been also good is if she had have got there and she had have faded away and herself had looked that way and then ran, ran and stopped the cab herself and yeah. got in it. That's what I was... Yeah. I thought it was going to happen better way better. Yeah, I, that's what I, I thought was, was going like, to happen. Why would she fade... Like, why would she fade away? It'd make more sense if the Alice went in watching fades away and the other one didn't take the turn to give the, mon- yeah. to give the money to the homeless lady. She then yeah. makes a cab or yeah. crosses yeah. in front of it. Right, that'd be perfect. But the way... It, oh, man. Ah. Oh. Yeah, that, that was sort of rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. It was... Uh, yeah, I reckon the, the idea of her running... Bef- like being early enough that Whitey has to stop, hit the brakes, but she's she so make eye contact briefly, a brief moment of recognition, and then she's she going. That would have been fine, but then she wouldn't have someone to drive her around so that she can true. find her mum. That is true. Her that real mum. I didn't think it was overly obvious that the bag one was uh, okay when they said. Oh yeah, okay. She's looking for her mum at the end. I knew it was going I, to I, be her, yeah, yeah. but I didn't realise it was going to be her. Up until that point, no. I don't think it's very obvious. You might have picked it, yeah. I, but I it's not uh, obvious. Yeah, yeah, when, for, she, when she was no. saying shit, it was like, yeah, this is obviously going to be a reference to what happens later in the movie. That's yeah. blatantly obvious. That was going to be her mum was like, a, didn't see it coming, but I still hate it. No, I, I've figured out the adoption thing probably like the second or third time through when she's like, Dad, I hired people. Why don't you talk to me? It was like, oh, I'm, I'm very busy. And it's like, okay, why well, would it? Turns out, I, reckon, I reckon she's going to be adopted and you see the mum. It's like, do you remember living in England? It's like, yeah, she's looking for her real parents. She she was adopted. She's figured out that she was adopted sometime in England. Cool. Who's the mum going to be? Yeah, okay. Who's the other female okay. character that we've been introduced to in the film? The homeless lady. Cool. And then eventually, I'm adopted. Where's my mum? Oh, I see her every day. She's down <laughs> at the train station. <gasps> Mummy. Up until that point, it had a bit, a bit, bit was going a bit better way. But I actually literally liked for what it, for what it was. I thought it was a very nice way when they didn't meet at the end. Mm. You can say it was didn't need to be in there, and I'll agree. It probably didn't need to be. In there. Like I said, it would have been better mm. if she just had a run past thing. She could have found the mum. That's yeah. fine. You have reference to her finding her yeah. mum, or have a scene with her going back and finding her there, but yeah. without cut out that that little section. Yeah. But the recognition part. The way yeah. that was, was shot and, and the way that was acted, yep. I thought that was yeah. really good. A I, really touching. It, I thought it was. Moment. Yeah, I thought it was a touching scene. I thought it was for what the ending they went for was executed fine. Not the necessarily the best ending that I think the film could have had, but what they had was executed well. Uh, I did like the recur- the one little thing that didn't I didn't figure out was the riddle. Mm-hmm. What has no that conditions was- but one love because it's unconditional. Yeah. I didn't see that, and then when they use it in the line, I was like, oh, it's like she asked her. I was like. Can I give you a riddle? It's like, I'm good at riddles. Love. Oh. <laughs> okay, it had, it had some spritzes through it that was, that was, that was not too bad, but overall. I think I if think... you like Alice in Wonderland, give it a watch. Yeah. If you actually actively like Alice in Wonderland and you're interested in yeah. seeing something that's just a version of that but different, give it a watch. And that's the end of the second episode with our new sound setup. Hopefully it sounds better for you all. 
Next week's pick is Rubber from 2010, a film about a sentient tyre with psionic abilities and homicidal tendencies. Catch you then.